Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pakistan in a world tournament, should we have expected any different? With no win in their last 11 ODIs, comprehensively beaten by England in the warm-up series, thrashed in their World Cup opener against West Indies, of course they were going to beat the tournament favourites, never in doubt. The wily old professor Mohamed Hafiz masterminded a total of 3-4-8 for 8, before Wahab Riaz and Mohamed Amir, who weren't even in the original World Cup squad, held their nerve at the death to counter centuries from Joe Root and Joss Butler. Pakistan winning by seven wickets at Trent Bridge. Welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon, and I'm joined by Phil Walker, Editor-in-Chief of Wisdom Cricket Monthly. Phil, welcome. Yeah, surprise, surprise, it's me, Joe. Hello. <laughs> welcome again. Uh, let's get straight into it, Phil. What was your moment of the day from a pretty uh, extraordinary match in lots of ways? Um, okay, my moment of the day is every time Baba Azam breathes, okay? Every time he takes guard, every time he just surveys the field and allows those beautiful hands to do what they do. But my specific moment is actually a little bit, little bit glass half empty, but it's quite instructive, I think, because... England fielded badly today. They yeah, fielded it like dogs today. And it was bizarre to watch, having, having seen such a, a consummate performance on Thursday against South Africa in the first game. Um, and without, without wanting to lump on Jason Roy, he, you know, he, he was the most culpable. He, he dropped a catch that he would genuinely take 99 in 100, I would say. Um, yeah. It was a steepler at long off, but he had ages to position himself. He didn't really have to move from his position. And it was Hafiz. For a guy who's taken some of the best catches you've ever seen as well. Amazing at backward point. A liability at long off. I mean, (laughs) try and make make some sense of that. So, so Hafiz wasn't on many at the time. 14. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. I've clearly done my research here. (laughs) Uh, And he went on to make an 80-odd in 60 balls. uh, The the biggest, um, most significant innings, certainly, of Pakistan's World Cup so far. Um, And he really... 
he kind of took it, Pakistan into the realms of, of, you know, the unbelievable for them, really. 3.30, 3.40, 3 in the end, uh, and it was 20-odd too many for England. Um, and Roy's fumble just seemed to encapsulate their, their troubles in the field that began in the first over, really, when it was tickled down to Joffre Archer at, at long leg, and, and he kind of fumbled it and almost kicked it, almost tripped over it before winging it back in, and, and, and it set the tone for the day. You saw a number of examples, even down to a good old-fashioned four overthrows, some buzzers in the last in the dying moments. James Vince came on and misfielded as well, which yep. is it's never great when your twelfth man comes on and just wasn't wasn't really paying attention at, at, yeah. at that stage. Yeah, there, there was there was another fr- from Roy as well at long on, threw it in on the bounce and it trickled through, and they yeah. scampered another single. You know, and it's okay. We've been here before, but yeah, these little marginals um, in fifty-over cricket are absolutely crucial. And and England, who have been searching um, in vain for perfection because it doesn't exist in in sport, will be they'll be spitting tonight. They'll be really sore tonight. Not that they've lost the game, but the, the nature of the way that they've lost it. Well, their fielding against South Africa almost was perfection, wasn't it? I mean, Stokes's catch was kind of beyond perfection. Apparently, it's the second best that. They've fielded since 2015, officially, according to their, their analysts. Interesting. Okay, well, it'll numbers. be interesting to see where today compared, because it would certainly it would have been be, right, the other be right, right down the bottom, I think, today. Um, my moment is, is at the other end of the match. Um, Wahab Riaz, you hadn't played an ODI in two years before this tournament. Um, apparently, back in, the, back in the side, based on his performances in, in the PSL, as I yeah. obviously... I, wasn't didn't see these at the time, but that's yeah. that's the that's the that's the story. Um, always seems to find his best at World Cups. Uh, took a five for in the final against uh, India in 2011. Um, bowled perhaps the best spell of the last World Cup. Uh, had Ho- Shane Watson hopping and jumping. Yeah, in the quarter in that final, quarter yeah. final, both ended in defeats. But he's got a brilliant record in World Cups, which obviously would have helped his case when it came to the final squad selection. And he found that little bit of reverse wing towards the end. Mo and Ali. Who had a bit of a he had a tough time. He looked looked out of sorts. I want to come to Mo in a bit. Yeah, I want to come to him. Uh, it was that time when Mo in form at that point was the perfect man to come to the crease. But for such a beautifully elegant batsman, when it's not going right for him, it can look like he just can't get it off the square. And that was unfortunately the, the theme today. Um, so yeah, Riaz, who then who finished off with uh, with a brilliant catch, having taken two, I think two wickets as well. Uh, it was a real kind of. Uh, for a, for an old bloke who's been around the block, it was a kind of another return for him, uh, and Pakistan needed that strike bowler as well. Yeah, Wahab's your classic three for eighty and ten overs to win Great, you the isn't game, it? isn't he? Yeah. Um, it, don't ever change Pakistan. You know the best laid plans of mice and men and all of that. They've been in England for six weeks or so. They played five ODIs in '92. They went to Australia a month, a full month before that tour, uh, that tournament that right? rather. Um, to try and acclimatise to Australian conditions, then uh, went one in five, uh, and that one being against Zimbabwe, of course, before turning it around, playing desperate cricket and winning that tournament. This time round, they spend a month getting used to a month and more getting used to English conditions. Went over to Ireland as well, of course. Played last week, didn't even look like a cricket team, uh, and then they start to play their more natural, desperate, seat of the pants type type cricket, and they were they were fabulous and compelling. I thought today. I don't mean this in a in a condescending way, but this was a much bigger game for Pakistan than it was for England, wasn't it? It's oh, completely, after, yeah, after, yeah. The, after the start that Pakistan had had. And they'd, also, they'd lost 11 in a, in a row, uh, albeit five of those are against England, but they've lost 11 in a row. Uh, they would have been the six or seven to one shot today. Uh, so now, 
where where did Pakistan go next? Or do we just do we we just have no idea? Should we just admit we have no idea and leave it there? Well, it was interesting that Hafiz got got runs because Hafiz is very much a feast and famine player. He's obviously on his last legs as an international cricketer. But if Hafiz can hold that middle order together, then I think it it enables the openers who are exciting, the two lefties, Imam Al-Haq and uh, Fakhar Zaman, enables them to play with freedom. It enables Babar Azam to do what Babar Azam does. Uh, he made a beautiful 60-odd in, uh, runner ball today and he will continue to play that that anchor role. Um, and with Safraz and Shoaib as well in the middle order, plus, crucially, Asif Ali as well. Now, you know, his personal story is, is, is a very touching and moving one. His daughter died very recently. He returned to the team today. And it, although he only made 14 in 11 balls. An incredible six in there as well. It was, yeah. yeah. And it, it would have gone for six, the, the shot that he played. And Bairstow plucked it out of the air above his head. Yeah. That they have the right kind of balance, to be honest, to, to bother the last stages of this tournament. Shadab Khan as well probably, probably was the bowler of the day, I would say. Um, you know, he got Jason Roy out in, the, in his first over and he, um, and he came back well as well in his second and third spells. Uh, and he's a, he's a top-class young bowling all-rounder. So they do have variety. They do have personality. Uh, they're not from top to bottom the most polished of cricket teams. Of course they're not. But what you've seen today is um, further confirmation that this tournament will throw up all kinds of results. You mentioned there, Shadab uh, opened the bowling as Imran Dahir did yeah. against England in the first game. Good moves. Took best, t- Tahir took best though out. Shadab did the same with Roy today. England are going to have to get used to that, aren't they? I mean, any side in their right mind are going to throw a couple of overs of spin in there to start, start an innings. Yeah, they had to find, the international community had to find a way um, to, to stem the flow from, from Roy and Bairstow. Um, uh, they've done their homework on Roy. They've done their homework on Bairstow. Bairstow struggled a little bit against the ball, turning away from him in the IPL. And Roy's record against leg spin in 20 and 50 overs is not great. So serving up medium fast outside off stump, you're just going to go the distance against those two. Uh, it's a very smart move um, started by Faf, and I would imagine it's going to be repeated by a number of captains down the line. It, it, was, it was odd to watch Roy, though, because he walked off. It, in fact, kind of tellingly, the last ball of Pakistan's innings flew past him at long off. Now, he couldn't get near it, but he, he had to pick himself up off the turf and trudge off, go and get a sandwich, go and put his pads on. And he would have been really down in the dumps, I think, Roy, after that fielding performance. Um, and it was no, it was no fluke. I don't think that he came out, bashed a couple of fours off a couple of long hops, and then tried a silly shot, a shot of a of, of a player whose mind would have been a bit scrambled by the by the the fates of the day. And he tried to sweep a Yorker, a straight Yorker mm. from a leggy, um, compounded and, by a silly review. Yeah, which was shocking. And I think Bairstow's got to help him out there as well, because obviously he he wants to carry on batting. He's got the adrenaline pumping. Bairstow, uh, who to be fair does generally think everything's out yeah. on, on this occasion <laughs> yeah. clearly out not out gives his partner a, a brief lifeline but obviously the third umpire stayed stay with the same same decision there um, it's funny that we get to this point uh, what 15 minutes into it to our latest little chat about cricket Joe and we haven't even mentioned Root and Butler who both made sparkling it was on my list <laughs> was it, it, was, really? it was on my list I have done my prep um, first team ever <laughs> Uh, in World Cups to have two Centurions and lose a game. Right. 
stat. Not in my prep. Didn't know that. Okay. Uh, I will count counter your stat with a stat, <laughs> uh, if that's all right. Uh, so Roots now has 15 ODI 100s. Yep. That's three clear of the next English batsman. Uh, yep. Uh, and his career career strike rate is 87, uh, which is the same as Chris Gale, the same as Rohit Sharma, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. only slightly less than Virat Kohli. He's a modern-day master. Do we, even though we think he's brilliant, do we still underestimate just how good he is? Uh, if, if we do, it's pure folly. That first innings after the 2015 horror show, he made a 73-ball 100 against New Zealand at three uh, and strummed it and then made another 100 later on in that series. And since then, he's just carried on. I don't know what he averages over the last 18 months, but I knew up until recently it was something like 75 to 80, over, over 18 months of ODI cricket. He is far and away England's finest batsman of our lifetime. Um, and what you see in the test game simply bleeds into the ODI game um, I do remember I'm, I'm, I don't know why I'm doing this to you Joe maybe familiarity but I remember you saying to me a few years ago I'm not sure if he's a one day player and in fairness before that 2015 World Cup there was you oh, did I never said you that did. you're I'm thinking about Kemp who's, who's left us maybe I knew you're brittle on this one um, <laughs> yeah. he, he proved as well in the T20 World Cup T20 player maybe alright fine not just let it go cricket. let it go let it go you did say it but it doesn't matter um <laughs> He made a brilliant 100 against Sri Lanka in the last tournament as well, didn't he? Where it, where it got funky towards the back end, reverse, reverse sweeps and reverse laps off the, off the quicks and so on. And that showed that, that he had the game for that, for that kind of cricket. And the last four years have absolutely proved it. As you know, I, I think that he'll be the top run scorer in the tournament. I think that he will, if England win it, Joe Root will be the player of the tournament. Uh, so that's Joe Root. Uh, a word on Joss Butler, who just just did what Joss does, doesn't he? Yeah, it's just the seventy-three ball hundred for him today. I think it was, um, and he'll he'll be sick tonight because he did what Root did. Yeah, he got close uh, to seeing seeing the game home and and slapped one to to short third man off off a off a Mohamir slower ball. We we are. We, we, we do take it for granted because there aren't words to describe what kind of talent Joss Butler is. Uh, I was listening to it on the radio, actually, um, coming to do this show, and there was an assumption that he would, he would just get it done. Uh, there is, with the exception of Coley and arguably Warner, maybe one or two others, there is no more complete ODI batsman in the world than, than Joss Butler. Uh, and he has all the components to take English cricket into a new place, a new dimension. Um, Stokes did what he did last week with that catch. Butler, over the course of the next six weeks, he's, he's the man for me. He's the man to, uh, to, to drag English cricket into the nooks and crannies of British life that uh, it's, been, it's been lost to for so long. Well, watching Butler and Root's partnership today, I had no doubt they would finish the job from there. I was kind of in, in shock when it when it didn't materialise, which shows, given the numbers that were required, just the expectations that we have them now. I mean, it was nine and over, and I was like, oh, well, we'll do that, won't we? Which just goes to show, I mean, to be honest, if it wasn't a World Cup game and the pressure wasn't quite as high, maybe they would have got over the line. Maybe, maybe that had some impact on the way they went about things. But then also, Mo and Ali coming in at that stage, as we, as we said, that's when they really needed someone to come and hit you. 30 or 15... But Mo wasn't wasn't in that kind of form, was he? No, and 
I wanted to come back to the mowing question. It, it seems odd to say England have got a bit of a problem at number seven. But when, when you are talking about these fine margins, these tiny marginals that separate the, you know, the winners from the, from the also-rans, Moen hasn't had a bat in a long time. He hasn't had a proper 20 overs, 25 overs to really have a run. And on the odd occasion when he has had time to bed down, he's just not looked at the races. Uh, and Moen, when he's free, is gorgeous, as we know. But when the brain is a bit more cluttered, and it's going to be when you're under pressure, and it's going to be when you're chasing down a target, and it's going to be when the scoreboard's telling you it's nine and a half, tens, ten and a half, and over. Uh, then he's then he's fallible. He's fallible in there at number seven. Um, and if there is a, it sounds crazy to say that it's a weakness for England, and it might turn around for Moeen tomorrow. I mean, he's made fifty ball ODI hundreds, you know. So the boy can obviously play. We know that, uh, but. We see a lot of 50-over games are won in that engine room at 5, 6, 7, 8. And Butler can't do it all the time. And Stokes, you know, has had an indifferent year, let's be honest, with the bat. Uh, I don't know if there's any other option for England in that number seven slot. Do you? Can you see any other way around it? Uh, not really. I mean, you could obviously you could put Wokes up to number seven, who I think could do a good job there. He, he played much more fluently than, than Moen did today. I think the thing with Moen, he's obviously a phenomenally talented batsman, but he's probably not a natural finisher in that way. He fills that role in test cricket very well, but he gives himself a bit of time to, to play himself in. He's not someone, and there are very few in the world that can do this, that just comes in and thrashes the ball from ball one. Uh, and as you say, I think he's probably suffered from a little bit of um, lack of action out in the middle. Um, personally, I don't have any concerns long term I think he'll be fine I think today in some ways would have done him some good uh, that he did have some time in the middle of the pressurised situation I just don't fancy him in that real pressure cooker when you know when you need 70 and 6 70 and 6 overs I I don't really back Mo in those kinds of situations with the bat you know there's ice does not run through the bloke's veins he's, he's more of a more of a free kind of cricketer. Incidentally, he bowled beautifully today. Mm. You know, three for fifty in the context of a game where seven hundred runs are scored. Yeah, near enough. Particularly uh, when he came on initially, when Pakistan were absolutely flying in that first power play as well. Yeah. So there's no question that his place is absolutely assured in the side. But in a funny kind of way, if he batted four or five, that would probably free him up, and he'd be able to kind of play his shots. But yeah, well, he was opening in the last World Cup. I mean, yeah. We all know he's batted in every position going in, in Test cricket, and he's batted in quite a few in, in the ODI stuff as well. Um, Jofra today had a had a merely mortal day. Not for eighty. Yeah, I think those, those his figures were a little harsh. I think he uh, beat the bat quite a lot early on. A um, couple of edges down to third man didn't get his bounce quite right. He was getting clearly frustrated with the fact he had been called for for height wides they were actually all correct I think the umpire got them got them all bang on I think there's maybe just a little bit more bounce in the pitch than he was expecting just mm-hmm. probably a little bit too short mm-hmm. um, and, and he got, got wound up didn't he he got riled up he did see. He, he did and I hadn't I haven't really seen that from him in, in any of the cricket I've seen him play so obviously it, it matters a huge amount to him as it should um, as you say he showed himself to be to be mortal today, um, that in some ways makes him all the more likable. Uh, it, we've also got to remember that's that, that's a really good batting pitch. I mean, that is the yeah. that is the world famous, world record breaking batting pitch. So yeah. uh, none of the seamers uh, went for probably under six and over. I wouldn't have thought. Mo, I mean, perhaps around around that, but most of them went for a few. Uh, apart from Mark Wood, of course, who we haven't touched on, who 
maybe bowled as well as an o- in an ODI as I've ever seen him, possibly. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be far off there either. And it looked like he had complete control over his over his body. He wasn't straining too fast, too no, much he, rather. And he was he he outpaced Jofra. Yeah. Um, obviously came in for Liam Plunkett that little bit of extra zip off the pitch and, and I thought he bowled with control and pace and it was really really good to see uh, I think the team that they picked today is pound for pound their, their go-to 11 I think if everybody's fit this is the 11 that they're going to want to play I listened to a bit of TMS and um, Viv Richard said every England side I pick Mark Woods in it really? yeah uh, he said he loves the bloke which perhaps shows maybe a lack of awareness about his injury problems over the years. Because I think most people would like Mark Woods in every single game they play, but that's the fact is that's just not possible. But yeah. it was great. Yeah, you said if Mark Wood was playing in that test series throughout uh, in the West, West Indies, then uh, England would have probably won it. Overall, uh, it's no bad thing that, that Pakistan have turned up today for the tournament, obviously. But for England's chances as well, do you think it has any lasting impact uh, I don't think so massively I mean there's obviously some things they need to sharpen up uh, it's not like any of the good work of the last four years has gone out the window because of, of this defeat against a, a, a very uh, inspired performance from Pakistan who as we spoke to Saj Sadiq the other day he said that Pakistan are never better than when they're they're under pressure in a sense they've got nothing to lose and that, that was that was the situation yep. today uh, it's great for the tournament bit of a sickness for some England fans but I think we'll we'll get over it um, and we've got Afghanistan and Sri Lanka to look forward to tomorrow. It's going to rain, unfortunately. Is it? it? Yeah, the weather forecast is not good. So I think it will be a shortened game at best. Oh, well, all eyes on Northampton then, Joe. All eyes on Wanted Road then tomorrow. Because, is that right? Yeah, because uh, Glamorgan, Glamorgan's Billy Root is the star show in the Root family this evening. It's worth mentioning, 229 in 252 balls for, for, wow. for Root Jr. today. Came in at 20 for three. Um, you can ask me about my moment of the day. Billy Root's performance is my moment of the day. Um, and if there's anyone out there listening to this show from uh, who pretends to be Welsh and you know who I'm talking about, then there, there you go. There's your nudge to Billy Root. The next great England Rootster. You never know. Lovely. All right. Well, a day for more than 300 runs for the Root family. They'll take that, even if it, even if it meant an English defeat along the way as well. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there for today. Um, plenty more to come obviously this has been the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979 if you haven't heard enough from Phil and I uh, check out the Wisdom Extra Podcast which should be going live soon after this pod for an uh, in-depth look at the tournament so far and and featuring Neil Manthorpe crucially for a different voice it's not just us two it is us two but it's with another person as well Neil Manthorpe South African journalist uh, has got some interesting views on where South Africa can go from here and why AB de Villiers is is not in this World Cup squad Um, and of course don't forget to subscribe to uh, the Wisden podcast on the podcast app or Spotify Podcast Network.